So you've heard the saying, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Well, this morning, I love to be the bearer of good news. There is such good news in the words of Scripture that we have heard, the songs that we have sung, and now in the Scripture from which our sermon will come. And I just know, because I've been where you are, a lot of times these beautiful truths can go right by you because your mind is flooded with other thoughts, or the sound of a voice can roll right past your ears. But I've been praying this week and this morning that you might have ears to hear the good news for what it really is. So give your attention for those beautiful words found in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And then we're going to pray the Lord would teach us His truth. But when the set time, and by the way, it's wrong in your bulletin. We're aware of that. That's Colossians 1 in your bulletin. Uh, So I think it's correct here, and what I read will be correct. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God has made you also an heir. Let's pray that God would give us understanding of His Word. Lord, would you take this message, your message given to your people, and would you show us the beauty of it, the truth of it, how it redefines those whose faith is in you. And Lord, if we have found confidence or tried to find assurance in any other name and in any other way, this morning by faith, Lord, would you enable us to let go of that false confidence and to take up the name that we've been given. And we ask this and we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. So for the last few weeks, this is week three of of preaching on faithful principles in ministry. Uh, A few weeks ago, we heard about the doctrine of Scripture. You can go back and listen to that. Last week, we talked about the doctrine of justification and that powerful and beautiful truth of justification in Scripture. This morning, we're talking about the doctrine of adoption. And anytime I talk about adoption or the fatherhood of God or anything related to that, I'm just aware that for some of you, that subject uh, brings some pain, some hurt, some bad association because of your earthly experience with families or with fathers. And so I want to begin by saying that very word. There may be a hurdle for you to clear this morning by hearing about God and the family of God and the fatherhood of God through a completely different lens than the one you've experienced in this life. Okay, But with that understanding or with that caveat, um, I'll say this also. In 2022... 17.4 million children lived in the United States 
fatherless. So that's the statistic I'm speaking of when I say anytime you talk about fatherhood, 17.4 million kids last year um, would have said, I don't know what you're talking about. But the Scriptures use the language of fatherhood and family to define the church and the God who loves us so dearly and so intimately. So using the language and the concepts of the Bible, a sermon this morning on adoption. What is adoption? How are we adopted? What are the results of being adopted? And what are the benefits of adoption? And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you should have ears to hear this. And if you're not a believer, if you're a skeptic and you're like, you know, I'm just not so sure about all this, then my hope is you will hear the beauties of this and be drawn to it. So first, what is adoption? Adoption is what you know culturally for it to be. It's when one who is without a parent becomes a part of a new family. And they're given a new name. They're given a new identity. And that is what the Scriptures use to communicate how those who were not the people of God were made to be the people of God. Those who were in darkness have been brought into light. Those who were without in poverty have been brought in and given riches that were not theirs. And so it's a beautiful message. And the message of the fatherhood of God says so much that is to encourage us. Jesus referred to God as His Father more than 150 times in Scripture. Jesus called God our Father more than 30 times in Scripture. And three times in Scripture, that word Abba is used. Now you've heard it said, and it's true, that that is a tender word for, for God as Daddy. Um, really the equivalent for us, as I understand it, um, would be Dada. Abba. The, the, the dentals and the pronunciation of words, that's what would come out of their minds. Abba. And for us, for some, it's Dada or Daddy. And it's a term of affection. It's a sweet word that if you're a father and you have memories of your little ones calling you Dada, that's a sweet moment. It's a tender moment. It's a kind father who adores his children. And so that is the message of Scripture, that God is our heavenly Abba, our heavenly Dada. And if you're a John Wayne type man, maybe you're like, well, wait a minute. I prefer to think of God as a football coach. Well, that's not how God's been communicated to us. He's revealed Himself in this way as a tender Father. And we need to hear the good news of that. Westminster Shorter Catechism, a little question and answer system in our uh, denomination that helps us understand doctrinal truths. It says, Adoption is an act of God's free grace whereby we are received into the number, you might say received into the family, and have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. That's a good and faithful summary of what adoption is. The Westminster Confession goes on to say that to be adopted 
is to receive God's name and to have access to God's throne, to His pity, to His protection, to His provision, to His discipline, and to His promise to never abandon us. And those are the things that a good and faithful father would do. He's a protector. He's a provider. He brings discipline and correction. But he brings a family name and all the riches and wealth of his estate. And he is free to do with it whatever he should choose. So this morning, what is adoption? Well, it's been called the sweetest doctrine in Scripture. And that's a good thing. The sweetest doctrine in Scripture. Because God, our Heavenly Father, is a good Father. Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So you're hearing this language of sweetness, of tenderness, of goodness, of generous provision. That's the doctrine of adoption and the kind of father that God is that would receive us. So it's good news. It's great news. How are we adopted? How can one be adopted? John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, Jesus said this. He answers that question. To all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but children born of God. This is critical that we understand this. In our culture, you're adopted by paperwork. But in the Scriptures, God's adoption of us is not by paperwork. It's by blood work. It's by the blood of another who wins and purchases people to Himself. And Jesus taught His disciples in John chapter 1, verses 12-13, through 13, it is not by our doing that we are adopted into the family of God, but it is by believing and receiving passively, passively we are brought in to the kingdom of God and all of its benefits for us. Dr. Sinclair Ferguson says this, we are adopted into God's family through the resurrection of Christ from the dead in which He paid all our obligations to sin, the law, and the devil in whose family we once lived. Our old status lies in His tomb. A new status is ours through His resurrection. Do you hear that? It's a gift. Adoption is a gift. It's what God does freely and fully for His people. And we can't earn it. We can't earn the family name. It has to be given to us as a gift. So far to this point in your life, I used to say this to college students all the time in RUF, Pretty much everything you have, you feel like you've earned, right? You're working to earn a degree, a college degree, a diploma. 
You're going to walk across a, a stage and you're going to feel, whew, I did it. And I'm going to throw my hat at the end of it, right? Or maybe in high school you earned that same degree or you earned that letter on your varsity jacket or you earned that starting position through hard work. So we live in a culture where everything is earned by our merit. And then we come to Scripture and it says you can't earn anything. And our sinful hearts bristle at that until they're softened by grace because we want to be able to prove ourselves. We want to earn things. We want to prove ourselves in every way. But the Scriptures continue to humble us. We cannot earn that status. We cannot earn the family of God, the name of God, the baptism of God, the gospel of God. We can earn none of it. It's the extraordinary grace of God and how He works with sinful people. Well, thirdly, what are the results of adoption? If one is adopted by faith in Christ, what does that result in? Okay, this is the sweetness of it. All right, A lot of little statements, but every one of them, you should feel, see, and know the sweetness of these truths. The results of adoption are that you receive God as Heavenly Father. And this is that language of Abba, that sweet language. And Sinclair Ferguson says this about God as Abba. He says, you know, just like an adopted child in this world has to learn to call a man daddy. It takes a while to get that language and that feel, that understanding. He said, so it can be in the Christian life. The Scriptures tell us that God is Abba, that He is sweet, that He is good, that He shows favor. But our sinful hearts sometimes don't trust that, don't experience that. And so you and I have to learn to approach God in the language that He has given us. To approach Him as a loving Heavenly Father and not as an angry football coach who's going to blow His whistle at us and be angry at us and make us run sprints for doing wrong. So consider your prayer life or the lack of it. Are you learning how to approach God as your Heavenly Father? That's the language He's given us. Secondly, another result of adoption... You and I receive a new identity and status in His family, in the family of God. And He says that we are beloved, that He cares for us. This is not my language, this is the language of the Bible. He calls us His beloved bride elsewhere. And so is that your posture towards God, your Heavenly Father? Do you believe that you're beloved? Because of His great love for you, you are beloved. Not because of who you are, but because of His covenant faithfulness and love to you. So we approach God as a loving Heavenly Father with the status of being beloved. Beloved family members. Thirdly, and this is, this is so beautiful. If your faith is in Christ, you become a son and an heir of His estate. Now, this is the shocking moment for the morning that I want our children to remember. Young ladies, old ladies, you are sons. You are sons in the kingdom. You are not daughters. The language of the Bible is that you are all sons by faith in Christ Jesus. This is for you to talk about over lunch, families. 
Does, does Pastor Paul have gender dysphoria confusion? Why did he call our women sons? All right, this is a profound theological truth you need to understand. He calls us all sons because it was the son in this culture who was an heir, particularly the firstborn son. Daughters would not be heirs. Ineligible in this culture to be heirs. And Paul says you are all sons by faith in Christ. So you are not daughters in this sense. You are sons. He has elevated your status and said you are an heir. My estate is yours. You are in the family of God. So in that way, and in our culture, you know, these sentences taken out of context could make people bristle. But do you hear the beauty of it? That God is saying you are all sons by faith in Christ. All members of my family. All heirs of my riches. And that's that beautiful, sweet grace of the Gospel. We're a room full of sons if your faith is in Christ. Fourthly, this means to be adopted into the family of God. This means we have siblings. This means we are siblings if our faith is in Christ. We share a heavenly Father. We share a family name. This would make us brothers and sisters. And so, just like on earth, that means we need to learn to grow up together and learn to get along with one another. Right? Some of you come from big families. Some of us come from smaller families. But pretty much everyone would be honest and say, yes, yeah, siblings tend to fight a lot. They'll, they'll take each other's things. They'll hurt each other's feelings. They'll talk down to each other. And you know, in the church, I guess we, we have to learn to get along and live together just like my dad used to say to my brother and me. Learn to get along together. So to have... A shared heavenly Father makes us siblings, which means we really do have to learn to live together, to grow together, to get along together, because we're all part of one family, God's family. We share His name, and we are siblings in that way. Fifthly, I think it is, being adopted into the family of God, being given His name, means you have a new responsibility. Now this is probably where most sermons on adoption would fall short from saying this. Because this is part of that covenantal obligation that always comes in Scripture, Old Testament and New. But what this means is that when you bear God's name, you bear the family name. And we bear the responsibility to represent Him, to represent His kingdom, to represent His Family. We're to maintain the family name. And you've heard me say on other occasions, some of you who are parents or your parents said to you, all right, you bear the family name, now you drive a car, you're old enough to drive a car, and, and the way you drive that car and you zip in and out of parking lots, the way you come up to stop signs and red lights, you're representing the family name. And you need to go and live like a Patrick or whatever. Or the language that you use when you're at school walking through the halls. The way that you act in class. You're bearing the family name. You could bring great shame upon your parents 
So go live and bear the family name well. You've had talks with your kids or your parents talk to you like that in some way. Same concept. We bear God's name. We're a part of His family and we're to image Him in the world and in the earth. And so there's a responsibility that comes upon those who are adopted. We don't want to see the family name trashed. We don't want to see the glory and honor of God abused. We want to rightly bear His image. And for us, that would be modeling what faith and repentance look like when we sin. So consider those things. Those are the results of adoption. If your faith is in Christ, you're adopted into the family of God, and there are all those results that instantly are true of you. And then fourthly, lastly, main point, more beautiful truth. What are the benefits of adoption? What's the good stuff? What's in it for me, so to speak? Well, there's lots of it in in it for you. There's lots for you in this. Again, the Shorter Catechism number 36 says this, The benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification are, and here they come, assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, Joy in the Holy Ghost, increase of grace, and perseverance therein to the end. For those who are adopted, these are the benefits, the real to-be-experienced benefits that comes with this doctrine in Scripture. And I just want to comment briefly on each of those. There's to be an assurance of God's love. Those who are adopted... Those whose faith is in Jesus, there should be an assurance in your life that God really does love me. He has given me His name. He identifies with me. And by faith, I identify with Him. And the Scriptures say there is a powerful assurance that should be a part of your life that that results in. Secondly, there should be a peace of conscience Our heads and our hearts should have a mysterious calm in this life. A peace of conscience. Um, In Sunday school this morning, I'll plug the adult Sunday school, we were talking about Jesus and how calm He was in the boat. And the disciples, as the storm arose, were panicky, fearful. And Jesus, whether in the boat or in the upper room, preparing for the most miserable hours of His life, There's this mysterious calm to him. He knows what he's doing. It's a peace of conscience. God's will be done. And that's to be true of us. That kind of peace of conscience, he says, is available to us for both our frantic heads and our frantic hearts. Thirdly, there's a joy. Joy of the Holy Ghost. And let me say, this is not the same as happiness. This does not mean that Christians are always happy. I like to say that happiness is fleeting but joy is eternal. So our happiness may wave and go up and down. Happiness is fleeting. But the Scriptures are talking about a joy that is yours in Christ Jesus. And it is eternal. And so are you a joyful person? In the midst of any bad news that you get, can you say, i got peace of conscience. I have assurance of God's love. Ultimately, I can have joy. It's well with my soul. I will be okay because God is for me and nothing can be against me. That's joy. And that's a beautiful benefit of the doctrine of adoption. Fourthly, there's growth. 
There's deepening in the family name, deepening in the family grace, and all of its riches. You grow and your faith grows as you realize, wow, God loves me this much. It's overwhelming and it results in growth. And then fifthly and not leastly is perseverance. Perseverance to the very end. That whatever comes in your life, whether disease, hardship, suffering, this being assured of God's love and bearing His name, the Scriptures say it enables you to persevere, to stick to your faith to the very end, however bitter it may seem in this life. Those are the benefits of adoption. Those are yours if your faith is in Christ. It's a beautiful thing, a beautiful truth, and I'm highlighting it as a principle. Something that we never want to compromise, something we never want to neglect, something we don't want to drift away from, but something we want to put before us all the time. That the Scriptures say, this is our identity. This is our status. This is who we are. And there are great benefits to bless the church family when we highlight it as we should in Scripture. We don't compromise it, but we emphasize it as God's gift to His church. Lastly, I'm going to end with a quote, and it is not going to be on the screen. It is again from Martin Luther. If you were here last week, I gave you five quotes from Martin Luther. Only one this week. But boy, is it good. It's a little long, but give your attention to this. I've titled it, The Beauty and Power of the Doctrine of Adoption. Listen to this. No man, no matter who he may be, can ponder the magnificence of adoption. This is a grand and overpowering thought. Whoever really reflects on it should be so astonished by it that he will be prompted to ask, my dear, can this really be possibly true? The world rates it a much higher honor and privilege to be the son and heir of a prince or a king or a count than to be the possessor of God's spiritual goods. Although by comparison, all these are nothing but poor bags of worms and their glory sheer stench. Only Luther can say these things like that. But, but wait, there's more. If we understand with all of our heart, firmly and unflinchingly, that the eternal God, creator and ruler of the world, is our Father, with whom we have an everlasting abode as children and heirs, and that we no longer belong to this transitory and wicked world, then how much less would we covet and strive after the world's lesser things? Indeed, we would regard the world's riches, treasures, glories, splendor, and might compared with the dignity and honor due as the children and heirs, not of a mortal emperor, but of the eternal and almighty God, we would regard those worldly treasures as trifling, paltry, vile, leprous, yes, as stinking filth and poison. 
Do you hear what he's saying? What he's rightly emphasizing? If we could see the beautiful doctrine of adoption in all of its sweetness, the things that we tend to preoccupy our minds with, that we chase after, that we're consumed with, we would see those as lesser things. A bag of maggots. Stinking filth, he says. So as we conclude the sermon, I just want to one more time emphasize, do you see yourself as bearing God's name, a member of His household, not because of your doing, but because of His? That by faith, you identify with Him because He has identified with you and your sin. If that is true, These benefits are yours, and they cannot be taken away from you. You could neglect them, you could fail to consider them and think upon them, and that would be a grave mistake, but they would still be yours. They would only be neglected by you. Let's pray that we would not neglect this beautiful truth, we talk about it with our children, and see it more and more in our own lives and our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for the sweetness of Your good news to us. We thank You for the truth of the Gospel that we find so hard to believe in the stubbornness of our hearts and our minds. But Lord, we thank You for a time and a place to be reminded of these truths, even to sing of these truths, and that wonderful truth that You have made those who deserve Your wrath to become Your treasured possessions. So Lord, help us to believe. We ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.